0: in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa it is wednesday the 27th of july here in the battle Futu voice of islam studio i am joined here by Shaji Lamed and myself muhammad Attar good morning uh, dear listeners we hope that you know you're really looking forward to today's show as we are as we always are, you know, it's very exciting, Absolutely. and you know, it's always a fun time here presenting, and you know, we get to impart on, uh, you know, some great knowledge for the listeners as well as for ourselves as well. Uh, so, good morning, uh, brother Shajil. How are you doing this morning?
1: wa rahmatullah. Uh, yeah, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Um, uh, yeah, just like you said, uh, quite, you know, re- really excited for for the show. Um, you know, some interesting topics that we're mm. going to be. That we're going to be speaking about as well a little bit later on, uh, but yeah, um yeah, doing good, doing good. Mm. As we know, we're sort of uh, very much into into the summer season. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely. I mean, the weather is looking good. It's cooled down a little bit as well. It's not as hot as it was uh, mm. maybe a week mm. ago, maybe two weeks ago, where you know it was it was reaching. You know, the 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 late 30s and then the 40 degrees as well, uh, where the UK was hit by by record, you know, you know record breaking uh, temperatures as well. Mm. So it's cooled down a little bit as well, but uh, the temperature is saying, or the forecast is saying that the temperature is going to go a little bit up. As well into the late uh, late twenties, twenty six, twenty seven. Mm. Um, uh, you know, in in the next that's couple that, of days know, as well.
0: N- that's nothing compared to you know the forty, forty one. That's nothing compared. That is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But the, as the as the you know the, as we are part of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, the mm. the annual convention is is looming yeah. as well. Um, in about two weeks time mm. uh, the first weekend of uh, of August it's, it's
0: raining right Th- that's the, the thing the, isn't it that's the, the, the thing, thing. Yeah. like the
1: forecast is a bit it's a bit here and there it's a bit here and mm. there so you don't I mean where, where we had nice weather yeah. you don't want it to you, you know you don't want it to rain during the during the convention or so so hopefully you know,
0: but you know I think I think a lot of us happen. are mentally prepared. If you've been here for like, you know, a good couple of years, you're mentally prepared to, you know, bring yeah. those wellies, bring yeah. the umbrellas, the raincoats and everything. Yeah, the raincoats and everything. Obviously it's it's a it's a bit of a you know, a uh, bit of a nuisance, but it's you still enjoy <laughs> it, you still enjoy the jellysaw. Right? I mean
1: that's ju- I mean the the the, the, cell, the annual convention is there mm. anyway and and obviously everyone, um, whether it's uh, sunny, whether it's uh, raining or so well, mm. uh, Everyone's going to enjoy it, but then it's just a little bit more of a. Just like you said, it's a bit of yeah. a nuisance. Hmm. It's a bit of a little hassle. Uh, you know, cars getting stuck because this is it's in an open field, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, So it, there's a chance of cars getting, cars getting, getting stuck, stuck because, of rain, yeah, because of the rain, because of the mud rain, and all the of that. That's that's true. So that's hmm. why you know it's it's just a little bit better when 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 the weather is nice yeah, when it's quite definitely. hot, and uh, and it doesn't rain. So hmm. hopefully, hopefully, the weather will be good for for that one as well, hmm. isn't it?
0: Um, you know, I'd just like to request our listeners to, you know, just to keep in mind our, mm. uh, fellow presenter, Brother Khalid Bunno, who, you know, who's been presenting with us for quite a long time due to some, uh, you know, some, uh, difficulties due to some stuff. He has be, he's b- moving to a different day, mm. but, you know, we, our thoughts and prayers always are with him, you know, because he's, uh, such a great presenter and, uh, you know, just, uh, do remember him in your prayers.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Um, But moving on, you know, as we always do, we first, uh, you know, discuss the weather and the news um, in the first segment before moving on to some very interesting topics that we do have for you today. Uh, We will be discussing World Hepatitis Day and, uh, you know, uh, another topic about alcohol consumption. Uh, So in today's weather, today will start bright for many, but Northern Ireland and Southeast will be cloudier. Later on, patchy cloud will develop widely, becoming thicker in the afternoon and yielding a few showers. Mm. Tonight, much of the UK will be dry with a mix of variable clouds and clear spells. However, thick clouds will develop for northern England and some central parts with a few patchy outbreaks of rain. Mm. Tomorrow on Thursday, patchy light rain will linger across northern England and southern Scotland. Elsewhere, there will be a mixture of variable clouds and sunshine with a few showers developing in Scotland. And the outlook for Friday to Sunday is that Friday will have patchy cloud and sunny spells, with just a few light showers. Later in the afternoon, spells of rain will begin to push into the northwest. Saturday morning, we'll see rain continuing to push eastward across the UK, clearing later to a few sunny spells and scattered showers, turning cloudy again into Sunday, with spells of rain pushing across central parts. So the, you know the weather, you know it. It seems like it's, it's it's going back to normal to our hmm. normal routine weather. Uh, how it normally yeah. is, isn't it? <laughs> like the sun comes out for like ten minutes and then it rains for like an hour. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, and hmm.
1: get get used to get used to that as well. Hmm. Um, oh, I mean we are used to that anyway. Yeah. But still, um, you know, talking um, talking about some other news as well. Ministers and governments, government officials. Uh, played fast and loose when awarded £777 pound, uh, million pounds in COVID contract, uh, con- contracts to a healthcare firm that employed Conservative MP um, Owen Paterson as a as a lobbyist. A report from the head of the Parliament's uh, spending watchdog has said and the report concluded that the government made a serious a series of uh, of failures, making it impossible to know if the contracts had been awarded uh, properly to, to, to Randox. The thing is, is that, you know, the, the, um it's, it was, we, when, when, you know, a couple of, a uh, couple of months ago when we were in the, in the, I mean, we're, we're in the pandemic now mm. as well. Mm. But even though before we, you know, when there were lockdowns, when there were more restrictions, then every, you know, that fair was there. Yeah. That fair was there. But that fair has now sort of, uh, despite the fact that uh, the people that are getting uh, COVID-19, hmm. it's, it's actually quite increasing, you know, but still that fear has definitely gone and people are, you know, people are, despite the fact that it, the numbers are going up, people are becoming, um, you know, sort of used to it and they're not, they're not getting scared about it hmm. uh, uh, anymore um so that is you know people are taking it as a as, as a seasonal as a seasonal flu or, se- or a seasonal sort of uh, um you know a seasonal illness yeah. but um you know the fear has definitely gone the fear has mm. definitely gone um but still you know th- where you can take precautions um it is necessary mm. i mean what, you know cleaning your hands properly hand definitely, sanitizers definitely. and all of these different things are, are still you know very much encouraged, mm. despite the fact that it's not mandatory to wear them in in public places, or public transport, or yeah. various other places as well.
0: And uh, you know, there's a variant yeah. called uh, BA um, dot five. Like uh, it's like you know, it's I wouldn't say trending right now, but yeah. it's. um it's it's like out and about basically, mm. and it's highly transmissible. The doctors are saying. Right. So you know we we still have to be very uh, like like you rightly said, we still have to you know take care of uh, you know wearing face masks and mm. uh, hand sanitizers and you know then even have a bit of social distancing. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, no, definitely, definitely, it's very. But re- but the, the fear important. is
0: completely gone. You know, even the government isn't really pushing for any sort of. Uh, any sort of like distancing or any sort of um, yeah. guidelines or anything.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's mm. the thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, as in, in you know, in other news as well, as we know that the the race is now on um, between who is going to become uh, prime minister. Mm. Rishi, so I mean, of course, you know when there are um, when when there are two candidates, yeah, or you know that are that are fighting for the place of uh, of. Uh, whether it, whatever position it is, whether mm. it's mayor of mm. London or any other city, mm. or whether it's the you know the, the prime minister, whatever it is, their the yeah. manifestos are always. I mean, the promises that they make is, it's, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when they do become prime minister, those promises, I mean, a lot of those promises are just, you know, mm. they just they just finished. So Rishi Sunak, as everyone knows, he's he's one of the one of the candidates. To be the next uh, uh, to be the next prime minister he has promised to cut VAT on all domestic energy bills for uh, you know for the next year if he becomes prime minister hmm. and uh, the move part for you know of the of the former Chancellor's winter plan would uh, save the average household one hundred and sixty pounds hmm. uh, so that's something that he's promising. the Tory leadership hopeful is hopeful um you know and and had uh, previous restricted calls to to scribe VAT on energy bills saying a policy would uh, disproportionately benefit uh, wealthier households so let's uh, let's see you know let's see you know what happens anyway um but uh, the the Talk TV Sunday debate between Tory leadership candidates Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak has been cancelled though, following a mm. medical incident in the studio um uh, you know presenter Kate McCann fainted and collapsed on air during the debate talk tv confirmed the channel said that um McCann uh is is fine but uh, the debate will not continue um you know which you mm. know as, as you know that there's a lot of different debates which you know which happen on a regular basis um people ask questions pe- you know they try to answer those questions yeah and uh you know this is one of those ones which uh, which has been cancelled right now hmm. um, but there will be many more um you know we still have you still have a whole month um of of august and in september the the new prime minister will be announced isn't it yeah in the beginning of september yeah, yeah. so uh, let's you know august is going to be quite busy hmm. for 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 these two especially but let's see you know let's see who who becomes the next prime minister and all of these promises that they are making and are going to make. Uh let's see who actually lives up to who actually, you know, fulfills their promises hmm. uh, uh as well. Because, you know, sometimes it seemed as if, you know, all of these people who you know, all of the candidates, yeah. they, they they're just doing it to, 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 to get people behind them. They're just doing it to get the to become the, you know, the, the favorable party which yeah, everyone yeah, votes for. Yeah. But then, you know, when they do become, when they when they hold the seat, when they mm. do become prime minister, like I said, it's it's sort of uh, okay. Now I've now I've done what I needed to do. Now I'm gonna do what's in my agenda, you know, what's mm. what's in my manifesto. Something that's gonna benefit myself and my party mm. as well. Uh, but let's see, let's see, you know, what actually happens and plays out.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you know A lot of us um, uh, A lot of the listeners Might be aware Of uh, the women's Euro f- uh, Final yeah, uh, yeah England's team Has you yeah. know Gone to the final You know They beat Sweden Like 4-0 or something. 4-0 yeah 4-0 yeah. So the f- final Is mm. going to
1: be On, on Sunday uh, with, uh, with either France or or Germany, hmm. so it's going to be quite uh, you know quite it's interesting quite as well. It's good that England, um, you know the men's team, <coughs> they were in the final as well against hmm. Italy. Hmm. Unfortunately, uh, you know they lost hmm. uh, in penalties.
0: But maybe you know this time the but women well, can bring it <laughs> maybe up.
1: Maybe <laughs> the women can bring it up as well. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, let's see. I mean, it's, it's going to be on Sunday, so it's going to be uh, quite interesting yeah. as well.
0: Also there's you know there's a uh, rail strikes going on major rail strikes. Um yeah s- because yeah. Um, you know there's like and there's total like chaos uh, in uh, on on the stations across the UK. Mm. Um because more than 40,000 rail workers are striking after talks failed to resolve a dispute over pay, jobs and conditions. Mm. So you know the the problems the problems of inflation, the problems of, uh, you know, uh, rising uh, taxes mm. and um, the pay, the minimum pay is not really going anywhere, but everything else is uh, rising. Mm. That's the thing. The that's it's the not thing. it's not keeping up not with, keeping uh, up, with the inflation. Yeah. So people are struggling and, you know, all of this stuff, that's why it's happening. And uh, it needs to be dealt with properly. So we do hope, you know, whoever gets elected, uh, you know, they fulfill their promises, mm. and mm. you know, where Rishi Sunak has said that he vows to, like, he's made like a shift in his campaign. Mm. He says he vows to cut um, VAT on um, household, household um, domestic household, um, um, bills as well, bills yeah. and stuff.
1: Yeah, but yeah, no, let's, but the strike is, uh, you know, is going to take place uh, today, uh, today, which is mm. Wednesday, and on uh, on Saturday. However, reporters are saying that the the knock-on effect of the disruption could be, uh, you know could be felt throughout the rest of the week mm. as well. I mean, naturally, I mean, obviously, that would happen as well. But uh, sometimes you see that you know the the tr- the the trains, the the buses buses as well, mm. but the trains, uh, the underground, they go on strike quite a lot. They go on strike quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you wonder, is it actually making a difference? Mm. You know, are are the people who are in authority, are they actually listening to these people, to, yeah. the, to the lorry, uh, I mean, to these uh, bus drivers, to the train drivers as well, these conductors? Are they actually listening to these guys uh, when, they, when they are on strike? Mm. I mean, because, you know, le- even if there's a strike one whole day, one whole day that the, tr- the train mm. is not working, that's so many people. How many? You know, you said the more than forty thousand workers in the in the network rail hmm. and fourteen train operating companies. Um, the, you know, they they are going to go on strike. Hmm. So that's just the people that are going on strike. So imagine how many thousands of people hmm. that's going to affect people. You know, they 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 rely on this. They re, they don't have they don't have their own cars. They need to rely on public transport to get into wherever they need to get to whether it's central London whether mm. it's a different city whether mm. it's wherever they need to get to for work for other reasons as well mm. and that's going to get disrupted isn't it mm. um, to, to, to go on strike yeah fine as in as in yes if you do go on strike if everyone goes on strike and then uh, it makes a change mm. then, then fine it's made a change but you see them going on strike so many times but uh, you know is the change there the change is not there uh, if the change is not there then maybe maybe there needs to be a, a sort of a different way this is what for democracy for is supposed to be about right they, it's it's to supposed to
0: be a government f- for the people by for the, the people.
1: people right exactly but it's not working out like that exactly hmm. i mean everyone everyone you know all of these people they they say democracy 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 yeah. that's the way forward hmm. but then when it comes to People in power—it hmm. it looks more like a dictatorship, isn't it? No, it looks more it's, like it's a, just I'm like just a one do, one party just running everything. One right? party running everything and not listening yeah. to the actual people. Mm-hmm. Um It could be d- these. In our a, in 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 our opinion, humbly, yeah. yeah, that is. See, see, that I mean, is what, I mean, that seems what to be the case, right? The case. <laughs> I mean, we're not saying that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, we're just saying that's, where it, that's it what it looks like Yeah, literally, hmm. literally. So it's like. If it's for the people, by mm. the people, then mm. it should then it should be more hands on, isn't it? But well, it seems more of a, just a political gain mm. uh, as well. Um, in uh, In some other news as well, a a, ma- a magnitude seven point one on the Richter scale earthquake has struck the the Philippine island uh, on Luzon uh, mm. on Wednesday as well today. Uh, I mean, in, obviously they are you know ahead of us in time as well. Killing at least one person. So the earthquake damaged buildings in the northern Abra province and set uh, strong, uh, you know, sort of waves Hmm. through the capital as well. So that's, uh, uh, I mean, only one person is reported to have lost their life. Hmm. But uh, you know, as as you know, as reports come, then you know, normally new new updates and new new updates it sort of Mm. goes up as well. But hopefully. Indeed, the, the damage isn't, has not, uh, you know, is not that much. Mm. But still, seven point one on the scale—that yeah. is quite, that is quite strong quite as well. Quite strong, quite something. Quite, quite severe, quite severe earthquakes. or thoughts and prayers are with everyone mm. uh, over there as well, who maybe have lost their life or who is injured. Yeah. And because a lot of damage must have been caused as well, mm. but hopefully that's been, you know, is not, it's not that much as well.
0: Mm. You know, there's one thing that I'd like to personally touch upon quickly is yeah. that, you know, it was in, 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 I believe, in the month of June or something. Yeah. In America, they hold uh, Pride Month. Mm. A lot of you, uh, a lot of the listeners might be aware it's like, you know, when all the yeah. all the LGBTQ plus community, in they June come together. June or July? June or July, I'm mm. not exactly sure. One of the months and they come together and, you know, they celebrate their like rights coming into play and stuff Yeah. Uh, but you know we, we as Muslims especially we are all for human rights right mm. we don't discriminate against anyone in terms of that but um, you know I'm like in the last few days I've been seeing like uh, even on like if you go on YouTube mm. I've been seeing a lot of ads and stuff and it's like the other day I saw an ad it was like mm. gay, gay test, take a gay test mm. right um, I I personally i i uh I don't have anything against you know anyone I yeah. don't discriminate in any way right right but um you know you d- pushing it's kind of like an agenda pushing this on us uh because even when uh, you know even when there's like uh vulgar images hmm. on the internet or there's vulgar ads and stuff, they get reported, they get taken down. Yeah. Right, I'm not saying this is vulgar in, in any way, but this is a, a, an ideology, right? Right. An agenda that you you don't need to like display everywhere. We're, we're happy for you that you are what you are. You want to live however mm. you want to live. You're more than welcome to. We don't. We're not stopping you in any way.
1: Mm. But I know what you mean. You know. know you know what you mean. I mean, right? Displaying it. I know what you mean because you know mm. it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of like it's sort of like uh, an agenda, like you yeah, mentioned, yeah. and then. Those people hmm. that are maybe a little bit hmm. thinking about I don't know. About this, this, and this this
0: happened. This. this happened in America as well. That they, yeah. you know they wanted to um, teach children about this. Children, primary school children, yeah, yeah. about this. But the judge ruled against it, hmm. saying that you know it's it's, it's not right. Like I, uh, it, it's it the term that was used if I remember correctly, it was that we don't send our cho- uh, our school our children to school, children to school. for uh, and. Indoctrination, rather, we send them for education. And
1: education, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's true. Mm. We can't sort of uh, force these ideologies and stuff. So yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's a, it's in a lot of uh, primary schools here as well, mm. uh, where they teach, you know, where they teach yeah. uh, these things, and it's sort of become a norm as mm. well. Mm. And uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a sort of a hot mm. topic as well. But yeah. uh, you know, there there are different. Um, how you have children's books mm, right mm. and then some of them you know naturally you would just have you would just have the the mother the father, the mother, the father. and then the children mm. isn't it but then in some of them now they have like you know, two, two fathers two, 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 fathers, two, two mothers, mothers and yeah. that's become sort of uh, they're trying a to a make norm. it make it a norm trying to make that into a norm as well and that's, but, that gets like, instilled into yeah, the children yeah. isn't
0: it like as muslims you know we believe That it's, it's it, in our religion it's not correct mm. right but we don't push like that... In yeah, well. Like in other religions as well. Yeah, like in other other Abrahamic religions as yeah. well, major religions of the world. But we don't push that onto other people who do not follow our religion. Mm. Right? It's just once you f- become a follower of Islam, Judaism, Christianity, uh, well, even in Christianity as well, yeah. but the, the actual Christianity, right? The proper yeah, Christianity, yeah. if you read the Bible properly, even there is uh, there's many verses against this. Mm. But um, the thing is, they don't go out and, you know... Uh, Push this upon other people't it
1: yeah, right push it as an this agenda. is just
0: a belief once you accept our faith you need to follow this belief right mm. this becomes a part of your faith just like drinking alcohol is prohibited yeah it yeah, like that, yeah. It? but we don't go around telling people we don't drink alcohol when we're proud right
1: yeah or, or we yeah. don't
0: tell people to stop drinking alcohol in that way
1: yeah I mean you're free to do yeah. whatever you want to do yeah and, and, and we, Islam will accept teaches that.
0: There's, there's no compulsion in religion.
1: Mm exactly exactly so you know like like yeah. you're saying everyone uh, is free everyone mm. is free to believe what they what want they to want do, and, what, and yeah. to, to practice what mm. they want to do as well but when it comes to different th- when it comes to certain things you i mean you, you know you know you can't you can't promote uh, you can't promote you know, selling selling alcohol to to Muslims yep. as well, isn't yep. it? Yep. So how are you doing something which is against mm. the teachings as well? And mm. just like you mentioned, that's like why we we're saying that all Abrahamic religions mm. they speak against uh, this thing as well. Yep. So it's uh, it's it's sort of sometimes it just looks like a propaganda as well, mm. isn't mm. it? Trying to brainwash, uh, trying to brainwash children, mm. um, especially. And yeah. trying to make it into into a, norm into a norm, and and so that people don't see uh, see anything against it. Mm. But you know, it's interesting as well because the, if they claim that they are so equal, mm. then why do they have to, you know, yeah. go out for their rights as yeah. well? I mean, shouldn't that just be accepted anyway? Exactly. That, you know, it's exactly. part of it's part of hmm. uh, of, of who they are. Hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes it seems as if you know they 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 want more rights hmm. than than you know than than other people yeah. as well. But uh, you know, uh, I mean, maybe the, you know this is a topic that
0: we can discuss maybe another yeah, time. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Um, so for now, the um, listeners will be taking a very short break before we move on to our first segment world hepatitis day and we do have some interesting guests lined up for you as well so please do join us after the short break
1: god knows the little nuances of you the little things that like only you would know that you think about secretly you don't tell anybody else just between you and him
2: before i accepted islam before i learned about islam i was worried about it i thought it was something to be worried about The more and more I kept
3: thinking about what religion should I choose? What belief should I have? A dominating thought came into my mind is
4: that choose the one that describes God the best. After learning about Islam and learning that the misconceptions are just that, misconceptions, I learned that it's something to embrace and it's not something to be afraid of and it's a guide for you. I believe that God paved a path that I could not veer
3: from that led me straight to Mirza Gullah islam
1: The thing that's going to capture, that captured my heart is the living God. Nobody else has this. You can, go, you can go do good anywhere. You can be persecuted in a lot of groups, right? But you can't get that living God. That is ours for this age.
2: O ye people who consider yourselves members of my Jamaat! You will be accounted as such in heaven when you truly tread upon the path of righteousness. So offer the five daily prayers in such fear and with such complete attention as if you are actually beholding God Almighty. Observe your fasts in full sincerity for the sake of God. Let everyone who is accessible to zakat pay the zakat. Let him upon whom the pilgrimage is obligatory, and there is no obstruction in his way, perform the pilgrimage. Do good in a handsome way, and discard vice with disgust. Bear well in mind that no action of yours which is empty of righteousness can reach God Almighty. Righteousness is the root of all goodness. No action that is rooted in righteousness will go in vain. It is inevitable that you should also be tried with all kinds of anguish and misfortune, just as the faithful before you were tried. Be alert, therefore, lest you should stumble. So long as you have a firm relationship with heaven, the earth can do you no harm. Whenever harm befalls you, it will be through your own hands and not through your enemy. Even if you lose all honour on earth, God will bestow eternal honor upon you in heaven so do not leave him
0: Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful welcome back to the show dear listeners we will now be starting our first segment um World Hepatitis Day so 28th Jul- July marks uh, World Hepatitis Day It is an opportunity to step up national and international efforts on hepatitis, encourage actions and engagement by individuals, partners and the public and highlight the need for a greater global response as outlined by the World Health Organization um, uh, in the hepatitis report of 2017. Mm. The date of 28th July was chosen because it is the birthday of Nobel Prize winning scientist Dr. Baruch Blumberg, who discovered hepatitis B virus and developed a diagnostic test and vaccine for the virus. Low coverage for testing and treatment is the most important gap to be addressed in order to achieve the global elimination goals by 2030. So, you know, some of you might be wondering what hepatitis really is. Hepatitis is an inflammation of the liver that is caused by a variety of infectious viruses and non-infectious agents leading to a range of health problems, some of which can be fatal. There are five main strains of the hepatitis virus referred to as types A, B, C, D and E. While they all cause uh, liver disease, they differ in in important ways, including modes of transmission, severity of the illness and, uh, you know, there's geographical distribution and prevention methods as well. An estimated 354 million people worldwide worldwide live with Hepatitis B or C and for the most part testing and treatment remain beyond reach. Many people with Hepatitis um, A, B, C, D or E exhibit only mild symptoms or no symptoms at all. And each form of the virus however can cause more severe symptoms. Uh, such as, uh, you know, um, loss of appetite, diarrhea, nausea, abdominal discomfort, dark-colored urine and um, jaundice as well. Hmm. And in some cases of the virus, you know, as I mentioned before, it can be fatal or, um, you know, it can lead to liver cancer as well later on. Um, uh,
1: you know, uh, hepatitis uh, uh, D, yeah. is HDV, is, is only found in people already infected hmm. with uh, hepatitis B, hmm. uh, which is hbv H- However, the, the dual infection of uh, HBV and HDV can cause a, a more serious infection and poor health outcomes as well, hmm. including accelerated progression to uh, cirrhosis. Hmm. Um, hepatitis E... So you know, there's quite, quite, quite a long list of yeah. uh, of different types of uh, of hepatitis as well. So mm. H E V begins with mild fever, reduced appetite, nausea, and vomiting lasting for a few days, uh, and, and some people may also have abdominal pain as well, mm. itching, you know, without skin lesions. Um, skin rash or or joint pain as well. So mm. there are different types and different severities mm. and different types of uh, of uh, of hepatitis uh, as well. Um, safe and effective vaccines are also available, though, to prevent hepatitis uh, hepatitis B, uh, which is HBV, and this vaccine also prevents the development of hepatitis D virus, mm. which is HDV. And 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 given that. Which you know, we've given a birth, strongly reduces transmission risk from mother to child as well. Yeah. Um, chronic hepatitis B infection can be treated with uh, antiviral agents, hmm. uh, and a vaccine also exists to prevent infections of hepatitis E, although it's not you know currently w- widely uh, uh, available as well. And there is no specific treatment for HBV and HEV, mm-hmm. and hospitalisation. Is not usually required for for that one, uh, for that one as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, th- th- like we mentioned, there are different types. There are different. Um, um, uh, I mean, outcomes of that as mm, well, mm. and a lot of uh, different people have uh, different severi- I mean, different severities for for that one also.
0: You know, I'm delighted to say that we do have online with us our first uh, guest of the day, Professor Graham Foster. Um, Professor Graham Foster is the Professor of Hepatology at Queen Mary's University um, of London and uh, a consultant at Bart's Health in East London. He trained in medicine at Oxford and London universities in the 1980s and completed a PhD in molecular biology in 1992. Good morning and uh, welcome to the breakfast show professor.
5: Good morning thank you very much for inviting me.
0: It's, It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, Just to begin with, uh, you know, you've talked about uh, working with uh, um, finding and treating people with hepatitis C. Could you brief us on the techniques used in this program and how effective they were?
5: Yes, with pleasure. I think it's really important to start by saying that hepatitis C affects two different groups of people with very different needs. Hmm. There's a lot of hepatitis C in people who inject illegal drugs. And a lot of your listeners will be switching off now saying, this doesn't involve me. <laughs> but hang on, because it does. Yeah. Because very sadly, this bloodborne virus, it's transmitted by blood to blood. And in some parts of the world, particularly Pakistan, Bangladesh, parts of India, the medical equipment is not properly sterilized. Yeah. And we know that poorly sterilized needles used for vaccination can transmit hepatitis C. Mm. And in Pakistan, there's a tradition of street barbers.
4: Hmm. And the
5: street barbers, I'm afraid, don't clean their razors. Yeah. So there are parts of Pakistan where 10%, one in 10 people from Pakistan will have hepatitis C.
4: Hmm.
5: And we really need to find those people and tell them that we don't think they're drug users or anything like that. Yeah. They've courted, I'm afraid, hmm. from getting health care in parts of the world that doesn't have an NHS. Yeah. And what we've been doing is we've been going into mosques, we've been advertising, we've been trying to educate the population about the risks,
4: hmm.
5: and I'm very pleased to tell you that later this year, the National Health Service will launch a new website,
4: hmm.
5: and that website will have an Urdu section where people who think they're at risk of hepatitis can click on a box, hmm. get a test sent through the post, and get themselves tested at home. And we hope that will help us find all the people with hepatitis C, and then we can cure them.
0: Yeah. Is, is it also transferred through uh, intercourse?
5: Very, very rarely. So okay. it's very rarely sexually transmitted. Mothers with hepatitis C infect their babies about one time in 20.
4: Hmm. And if you
5: think about how close a mum is to her baby, hmm. you'll see that this is a virus that's passed on by blood to blood. So I'm afraid it does doctors that have caused it in Pakistan. Hmm. It's using dirty needles. And if you've been out to Pakistan to visit friends and relatives, hmm. and you've had dental treatment or hospital treatment, you do need a test, I'm afraid.
0: Okay, okay. Um, also, uh, do you think you know, it affects uh, minority groups more severely? And if yes, like how and why?
5: It does, I'm afraid. Hmm. And the sad truth about hepatitis C is that Pakistan... Uh, which is a country I'm very fond of. We're doing a lot of work out in Pakistan. But that's a country where the type of virus, genotype 3, the Mm. 3 strain, is the most aggressive.
4: Mm. It's
5: the most likely to cause cancer. And because people are catching it as very young children, we're seeing people get cirrhosis and liver cancer in their 30s and 40s. So it's a nasty virus in people born in Pakistan and to some extent Bangladesh. And what really affects me is seeing people dying of hepatitis C and knowing that if I would found them early, I could have cured them. Hmm. There's nothing more frustrating than a doctor than seeing someone with a liver cancer thinking, if I'd got to you five years ago, this would never have happened. Hmm. So we want to stop that. I, want, I don't want to be frustrated by people coming too late.
0: Yeah. Um, could you um, like briefly just explain the impacts of hepatitis on the patients?
5: This is a silent killer, I'm afraid. Mm. A lot of people catch hepatitis C, it sits in the liver, it slowly rots the liver, but you're not aware of it, because mm. the liver is a very strong organ, Yeah. and then suddenly the liver runs out of juice, the liver starts to fail, mm. people start to get swollen bellies, fluid in their tummies, they go a bit yellow, mm. and then they die very quickly. What's interesting is when you catch people with hepatitis C early,
4: mm. and
5: you treat the virus, and then I, I, always ask my patients, "How do you feel now?" Yeah. I'm thinking a bit better. I'm sleeping better. I'm not as tired. Hmm. And I think what hepatitis C does, it makes people tired. It makes people sleep poorly, have concentration problems, and when you cure hepatitis C, people feel an awful lot better, even if their liver isn't very badly damaged.
1: Hmm. Professor, as 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 you've uh, you know thoroughly spoken uh, in, in the field of viral. Uh, liver diseases could you just uh, brief us on some of the some of our other some of the other liver diseases and how you've gotten to work with them
5: so I, I started my life with hepatitis b and hepatitis b is a virus that is passed on by sexual contact mm. it is passed on by mothers to their babies and again it's quite common in india pakistan bangladesh and parts of africa and that's a virus that does pretty much what hepatitis c does it slowly rots the liver and it causes cancer so that's another bad virus and generally when we test for viruses we do the two together and again hepatitis b i'm pleased to say we've got very good treatments for it Mm
4: -hmm.
5: the other thing that always worries me about liver disease particularly in the current era is we're seeing a lot of liver disease from people who are a bit overweight and some people store fat in their livers and if you store fat in your liver that can cause fatty liver disease that can predisposed to diabetes and go on to cause significant liver problems so we're living i'm afraid in an epidemic of obesity and people who are a little bit chubby around the middle hmm. and many of those turn out to have a bit of liver disease and again if we catch it early we can do things to help
1: definitely um what advi- what advice would you give uh, to our listeners re- regarding hepatitis and uh, and other liver diseases as well also
5: if if you were born Outside England, then you need a hepatitis test. Go to your GP and ask for a hepatitis test. Tell them I sent you, and they can test you for hepatitis and clear your mind and tell you you don't have it. And if you do, they can pass you on and get you treated. Mm. In October, November time, I hope we'll be launching the website, and perhaps I can come back and chat to your listeners then, Mm. and then you'll be able to go online and order the tests directly. But don't sit and worry about hepatitis. Go and see your family doctor. They can do a test, and if you've got it, we'll cure you. Mm -hmm,
1: Definitely, definitely. Is there uh, there any sort of specific uh, food or drinks that we should uh, uh, avoid as well? Um, You know, maybe there's a risk of getting hepatitis.
4: Food
5: and drink always causes a risk in excess. So Mm. eating too much, eating too much fatty food puts a strain on the liver, but a good healthy diet will be absolutely fine. So as long as you have a good healthy balanced diet... And keep your weight at a sensible level. Your liver will cope very well with it.
0: All right. Uh, Professor, you know um, the, uh, whose goal is uh, to eliminate the virus by 2030? But, you know, this being a viral disease, uh, viruses do tend to get mutations. So is it not a possibility that, you know, there could be a new strain or new mu- mutations that might be worse? And you
5: make a very, very good point, And you're absolutely right. It is a matter of concern. In England, we are using some really very, very powerful drugs that make the risk of viral mutation much lower. Hmm. I am a little worried, and many of my colleagues are a little worried, that out in Pakistan, where the, the most effective drugs are not affordable, hmm. and people are getting good drugs, but not perfect drugs. Yeah. So with colleagues in the Aga Khan, in uh, Faisalabad, in uh, uh, the Sindh province, we're working with the Wellcome Trust on a very big program to look for exactly what you talk about, hmm. which is are we going to see some mutations that will cause mischief. Yeah. So we are worried about it, but lots of good people are looking at
0: it. That's, that's good to hear. Uh, thank you so much, Professor, for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Would love to have you on again another time as well. Uh, for now, please do take care, have a good morning, and uh, thanks for coming.
5: My pleasure. Thank you very much for
0: the opportunity. Bye for now. Bye. So that was uh, Professor Graham, Mm. um, Professor Graham Foster. You know, uh, he's shed some really, you know, important knowledge, some uh, some light on this topic, and why you know it's uh, so important for people in uh, you know like um, these countries such as uh, Pakistan, Mm. India, and uh, Africa to um, take care of their personal hygiene as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know if they they need to get tested right that's the main thing it a lot of people he, like he said it's a slow killer people just live with the virus uh, they don't know about it so it, it's, it's r- one in ten people that's a mm.
1: that's, that's a big that, number that's, that's a lot that's a lot yeah and uh, you know it, I mean it just goes to show how much hygiene is important mm. isn't it mm. I mean fine you, you know you know, get a trim or yeah. whatever that's fine but then uh, the barbers they, they, need mm. well. mm. they need to clean their blades as well they need to clean their blades um you know being being uh, an islamic country mm. um you know however you want to put it mm. um cleanliness is half of faith isn't it yeah. cleanliness yeah. is a big part of uh, part of the islamic faith and staying clean staying mm. uh, you know hygienic uh, making sure all the surfaces all the appliances all the equipment that you're using uh the food that you're eating is uh is is, is clean. Yeah. And if you're you know in, in the in the in the hospital, if you're a doctor, mm. all these needles, these pins, all these other um, you know, instruments which are used, mm. they need to be sterilized, they need to be cleaned thoroughly, properly, uh so that, you know, when it's used on one person, yeah. you don't just use it on the on the other person. Mm. You either wash it properly, you, you sterilize it uh, and then you use it Or you just throw it in the bin And get a new one hmm. um, So you know it's it, you know, Cleanliness is, is very very much important And this is uh, very much part and parcel Of the Islamic faith Also um, th- Something very good Which uh, Professor Graham mentioned Which was hmm. excessive uh, You know in food and drink hmm. So you know In the Holy Quran Allah Almighty yeah. mentions Eat and drink But do not exceed the limit hmm. Don't go out of bounds Kulu know, wala tushrifu. Wala tushrifu. Exactly. Mm. So that's so that third part is that don't mm. don't exceed the bounds. So mm. don't eat too much. Don't mm. drink too much. Mm. Keep keep it keep it balanced. Keep mm. you know eat don't just eat fruits and vegetables but mm. also eat meat as well. Mm. Um and so, you know, keep that balanced diet but then they don't go overboard mm. and get a little bit, you know. I mean, it's fine. You can eat a lot, but then, mm. but then, put you know, do a little bit of exercise mm. to to balance maintain out, to yeah eat, to balance mm. it out to balance it out. Mm. Um, but not you know excessive uh, eating and drinking, and not doing any sort of exercise or any sort of um, even walking. You mm. know, even brisk mm. walking mm. can can be a, can be a good exercise as well. But Definitely. not doing Definitely. any of these things is uh, that's what's going to cause these problems. Mm. Uh, uh, and also, you know, staying staying healthy, staying clean But also staying uh, staying. Um, that... I mean, you know, we, we're talking about cleanliness mm. That's also very much uh, important as well
0: um, His Holiness, um, the 5th Caliph of the Ahmdi Muslim Worldwide world Community Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad Mirlabi's helper Stated in one of his uh, Friday sermons uh, Describing the health conditions of human beings around the world That are mm. afflicted with illnesses And the quality of health care they receive depending on whether they live in developed countries or third world countries, um, said that in certain conditions, people afflicted with certain il- illnesses seek adequate medical care at advanced facilities, yet they may or may not recover. Hmm. Similarly, in underdeveloped countries, it has been observed that many afflicted with illnesses do not have the facilities or resources to seek medical help, hmm. yet they recover as th- uh, though miraculously through the power of prayers and their elders and loved ones this proves that it is indeed god the healer mm. you know it is one of his um, one of his attributes a shafi right the yeah. healer yeah uh, who has the power to grant health and healing and a believer has firm faith on this attribute of Allah. indeed the recovery of a person afflicted with illnesses to complete uh, health is a faith inspiring event for a believer yeah Allah the Almighty provides healing not only to human beings, but to His entire creation, including animals as well as plants. Hmm. And um, His Holiness said that in this manner, God only provides physical health, but sp- uh, not only physical health, but spiritual as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. So you know, I- I- in modern in modern day, man uh, has. Um, made great progress in the field of uh, of medicine and, and and medical technology yeah but it's due to the intelligence that that God Almighty has bestowed upon man mm. uh, as a favor to him that he is able to make such advancements as well I mean we can't sort of do it ourselves mm. God Almighty has taught us these uh, different things and his holiness um, actually reminded us that that modern advancement in medical technology and surgery mm. has uh, afforded man a longer lifespan. And improved his quality of life as well, hmm. but this should not develop the the thought that man has acquired divine attributes and can provide healing by himself. That, I mean that sh- that should not be the case. I mean he shouldn't think that. Hmm. One must uh, remember that this progress is only due to God Himself, yeah. who has enabled man to acquire knowledge to to develop these technologies as well. Hmm. So it's a good thing that um, we we have these technologies. We are able to do um surgery hmm. uh, and you know prevent death or prevent all these illnesses uh, or treat these mm. illnesses as mm. well uh, which can be life thre- uh, life th- threatening hmm. but all of these different things are, are 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 things which god almighty has taught us hmm. so with all of these different vaccines with all these different surgeries and medicines and medical equipment these they are very good yeah. but in the end you know it is it is god almighty who gives us who gives us uh, a a cure uh, as well. So Mm. all of of these things are very much important.
0: We do have a very brief audio clip, you know, in regards to this of His Holiness, so let's Mm. listen to that one briefly.
3: The Ahmadiyya Muslim community, whether directly or whether through Humanity First or otherwise, has a long history of serving humanity, of providing opportunities and offering comfort and help to people who are living impoverished lives. We seek no praise and no reward for such efforts because we are merely doing what our religion has taught us to do.
0: You know, as His Holiness just t- touched upon humanity first, which is a charity of the Ahmadiyya Muslim World Community. They do many different great, uh, you know, humanitarian projects around the world in parts of Africa and Pakistan, and other countries as well. Uh, so, dear listeners, we'll be taking a very short break for the news. Please do join us. After. <laughs>
2: listening to the voice of Islam radio.
0: Bismillahir Raheem in the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the show, dear listeners. We were have been discussing our segment this morning about uh, World Hepatitis Day. I am delighted to say we do have another guest on the line with us, Ms. Shibana Begum, who is, um, a coordinator in the South Asian project, um, working for the Hepatitis C Trust, a national charity raising awareness amongst the South Asian communities nationally. <laughs> And um, she sits in ODN meetings representing as a patient advocate and representative from the South Asian population. Good morning. um salamu and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Wa
6: alaikum as and very good morning. Thank you so much for inviting
0: me to The Breakfast Show. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, just for our listeners out there, could you please describe what hepatitis C in particular is and how many people does it impact?
6: Uh, well, hepatite- the word hepatitis means inflammation of the liver.
0: Hmm.
6: And there's different types of hepatitis. Yeah. Uh, but hepatitis C specifically is a blood-borne virus. Hmm. And it lives in the blood for many years, but slowly starts to attack the liver. Yeah. That's basic in terms. Yeah. Um, if it goes undiagnosed and treated, it can become liver cancer. Hmm. So what we try to do is um, capture that before... Oh, you to get that diagnosed and mm. treated before it can
0: cause any severe effects. Yeah, in the liver. Uh, so our our previous um, guest, uh, Professor uh, Graham, he you know he mentioned that it's uh, it can you can get it from like uh, barbers uh, not cleaning or sterilizing their blades properly, uh, especially mm-hmm. in parts mm-hmm. of uh, Pakistan. <laughs> so where where does the virus actually come from? Just like the dirt or like um, other people's no, skin No, like cells I and mentioned. Stuff? Yeah.
6: If, if I may be, yeah, Professor Foster was accurate in what he said. Yeah. but the thing is, is like I mentioned earlier, there's different types of hepatitis. Yeah. So hepatitis A, you catch from contaminated food and water. Yeah. Uh, that's what we call in our language, bilia, or jargon, hmm. where your eyes go yellow.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah.
6: uh, So there are kind of visible symptoms there. Hepatitis B is contang- um, contracted through bodily fluids and blood that's yeah. the transmission route yeah. uh, and the, the transmission routes are basically um, very much similar to hepatitis C as well hmm. but with hepatitis A and B there is a vaccination to prevent you from catching it hmm. if you do catch hepatitis A the body majority of the time can uh, eliminate the virus itself um, hepatitis B uh, is the same as well it can be self-clearing and if not it can be managed through treatment okay but hepatitis C, there are no specific symptoms. Hmm. A and B, I'd like to say again, there is a vaccine to prevent you from catching it, but there is no vaccination as such to prevent you from catching hepatitis C. Okay. So if you've caught it and the transmission routes are um, using somebody's razor blade, yeah. injections, yeah. dental medical equipment, hmm. piercing, tattoos, even in the tattoo ink, yeah. Uh, if you've got tattoo ink, the virus can stay alive up to, I think it's around about seven, four days.
0: Okay.
6: So if there's a dry blood spot anywhere on any of the above that I've mentioned, mm. and you go back and test that dry blood spot, you'll still find the virus being alive in that. Okay. So if that, is, that equipment is then used on somebody else, pieces the skin, gets into the bloodstream, mm. you've got hepatitis C.
0: So um, is the, you said there's no vaccination for it, so did... Uh, no. But there is treatment, right? So do people still have to carry on living with the virus for the rest of their life, like taking medicine? Uh,
6: not for the rest of their lives. There is medicines available. There yeah. was an old treatment, but which was injections. And I think a lot of people are deterred from the treatment when they think that it's to do with injections. It's yeah. not. It's yeah. literally nowadays it's the it's treatment has progressed so much mm. that it's very simple treatment. Uh, it's one pill a day for either nine weeks or twelve weeks, depending on how what the severity is. Mm. Um and that's it, basically. Virtually no side effects at all.
0: But there's no cure for the virus. That
6: that is the cure. That is the you cure. Can is the cure. Virus. Okay. Yeah. You can get, can get rid of it completely. completely. We can clear the Yes. You can't completely get rid of the virus unless Mm. you put yourself in danger again and get reinfected.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Could you just tell us the aims and goals for the Hepatitis C Trust, the charity?
6: Well, the aims and goals are basically to treat anybody and everybody that's out there, Mm. regardless of who they are, what their background is, try to get equal treatment for everybody and support as well, and ideally to eliminate Hepatitis C.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, as t- um, today, um, t- t- tomorrow <laughs> is uh, World Hepatitis Day. Um, like, yes. what are your plans for this day, and do you have some advice for our listeners?
6: Well, I'd like to mention firstly what the Hepatitis C Trust does as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, please we do. We have yeah, yeah. So basically, we've got uh, parliamentary teams, and we've got um, which policy and parliamentary teams that actually engage with MPs and government mm. and try to um, con combat issues that are faced by people suffering from hepatitis c yeah we have art on a postcard which is our fundraising arm so basically a popular artist famous artist contribute their artwork Mm. and we sell that off in an auction we have helpline as well and i myself uh, help them on the helpline with any callers that want to talk in urdu or punjabi yeah Then we have our prison teams and community teams, Mm -hmm. Uh, prison teams, basically to try and engage with prisoners when they're in prison and try to eliminate hepatitis C through doing hits, which are high intensity uh, testing that takes place. And through the community teams, we have uh, staff members and peers that actually go into the community and get people off the streets and get them tested and treated as well. Uh, But our peer-to-peer project is very, very popular and it's all over the country. Hmm. And it's basically where we engage with people that have had lived experience and give them an opportunity to do voluntary work and give back to the communities as well. And who better... To approach people than people that have got lived experience. Hmm. Yeah, um, and obviously we have different campaigns, and one of the campaigns running at the moment uh, for 2020, like you mentioned, World Hepatitis Day, yeah. is called No Hep. It's a global movement, hmm. and it's aimed at uniting people across the world to take action and speak out, and be we engage with them to ensure. elimination does take place by 2030 and it's a platform that Mm. uh, information is shared to hepatitis c communities and they can download resources and materials so basically it's like one voice yeah not different messages it's just the one message globally
0: Mm.
6: and the hepatitis c trust came into being uh 2001 it's a patient-led charity it's run by patients. Hmm. Uh, most of the board members and staff and volunteers have lived experience, like I've mentioned. Yeah, and we're just working towards clearing hepatitis. Okay. From our lives and society. Uh,
0: could Could you, uh, if you don't mind, could you share your personal story? How you became part of such a good cause?
6: Um, this is I'll be taking you back about seventeen years now. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I was diagnosed. Yeah. And when I mentioned injection mm. as a treatment, that is what I had. It was a six-month treatment. Mm. So that came about because I'd not been well yeah. for a couple of years. Mm. you're saying, like, mm. you know, Sometimes you feel that ill that you feel that you go to the doctors every, every other day. That
4: mm. something's wrong
6: with you. And I basically approached my GP and I said to him, can you test me? Yeah. Just give, give me the routine test like mm. the call MOT test. Yeah. <laughs> and he did those and they came back all negative and mm. he said it's all in your mind mm. I go listen I go it feels as if every hair on my body hurts yeah I can't sleep I can't eat you know and is there anything you haven't tested me for mm. he said well I didn't want to offend you by offering these tests and I said well what are they and he said it's hepatitis and HIV
0: yeah
6: now back seventeen, eighteen years ago HIV was a very big thing mm. A lot of people who are dying from HIV. Yeah. And uh, I basically said, I go, listen, I know where I've been, but I don't know where my partner's been. I've yeah. had treatment abroad as well. I've had children abroad. Yeah. Can you test me? Mm. For the sake of it, at least I'll know. Yeah. So anyway, he uh, tested me and HIV came back negative and hepatitis was positive.
4: Mm.
6: And at that time, even my GP didn't have enough information. He said, all I can tell you is the treatment is like chemotherapy okay and i was just uh, you could say you know in our language say uh, mm. if
0: yes yes i completely you know. understand yeah, like the the, the rug has been you know pulled from under your feet
6: exactly mm. right and uh i said well what's that and he goes the treatment is chemotherapy i said well are you telling me i've got cancer mm. because chemotherapy is for cancer and yeah it is it is a form of cancer Mm. but can you give me some information when you get to the hospital? Yeah. So we have scanners nowadays that can scan you for your liver to Mm. see what condition the liver's in Mm. but in those days they used to do biopsies so extremely long needle into my liver they took a piece of liver out for the biopsy that took about three weeks as well Mm. to do and they were able to determine I'd had the Virus for 15 to 20 years, and I had the onslaught for liver cancer, liver cirrhosis. Oh, wow. So, I, you could say at that point, obviously, it was very emotional for me.
4: Mm.
6: Um, five young kids to look after as well. Yeah. And I was like, God, what am I going to do here? Mm. But I pulled myself together going through the treatment. It was a very harsh treatment, six month treatment, like I mentioned, mm. an injection every week, tablets on top of it. Mouth ulcers, yeah. stomach ulcers suffered from, you know, you take the injection and you were unable to do anything for three days. Hmm. That was side effects of the injection. It was so harsh. Hmm. Like I mentioned, it was chemotherapy. Yeah.
4: Um,
6: and uh, um, I just made dua to Allah hmm. that please give me a new lease of life hmm. to be around my children. And I promise that with every breath I take, I will raise awareness and help save lives. Yeah. now when i came home and talked to my mother about it she put a finger to her lips and said don't talk about it don't tell anybody you've mm. got this virus mm. just do the treatment and clear it i go but my why mm. and she said because we can't talk about things like this in our community it's not yeah. thing. Mm. Mm. embarrassing yeah we can't you know share with other people what mm. will people say mm. and i said "Mum, what do you mean can you explain to me mm. how how do you think it's caught? She goes, it's passed on from husband to wife.
4: Yeah.
6: And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, if the husband's been somewhere or the wife's been somewhere where they shouldn't have been mm. and caught something, they passed it on to their mm.
4: partner. Yeah.
6: And I said, ma, this is one virus that is not caught that way. Hmm. Right, unless there is blood present. It's yeah. only blood-to-blood yeah. contact. Yeah. Then she opened up, she said, it's common as water. Mm. In Pakistan, and I said, "Mum, it's not in water." (laughs) (laughs) She said, "No, I mean it's common and it's a water." I go, "Well, do you know anybody in Pakistan that has this then? in our family, extended family?" She said, "Your popo, your dad's sister passed away from it. She had liver cancer, Mm. and four or five of her children are suffering from it presently. Now, this is seventeen years ago. Mm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, none of them made it." they're no longer alive they all passed away from hepatitis C but in our language they call it kala jirkan
4: yeah or yeah
6: that's what it's known as mm. black jaundice yeah and if you ask anybody in the community what black jaundice is they'll nod their head and says yes we have heard about it mm. but they refuse to talk about it yeah. so it is if you can call it stigma I don't like that word because mm. I tend to think a lack of education mm. So for Hepatitis Day, this is what we're doing, we're raising awareness globally Hmm. so that we can get the information across to people that it's not a dirty disease,
4: Hmm.
6: although a majority of the time the transmission routes are through needles or people that take drugs. They suffer from HIV and Hepatitis then. Yeah. Right. But there are, you could say, 1.4 million people that die annually. from hepatitis globally Hmm. there's only one percent that access treatment and ten percent you could say are aware of the condition Hmm. but that's about it so we're trying to eliminate that stigma Hmm. and get people into treatment and save lives and that is the promise that i made to allah so many years ago and this is how i became involved with the hepatitis c trust Hmm. i started off on a voluntary basis Yeah. Uh, for a few years and then Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah I'm proud to say that this coming November I will be working with would have been working with them 13 years
0: Hmm.
6: as member of staff
0: yeah that's amazing that's amazing thank you so much you know um, may Allah Almighty continue to reward you thank you so much for sharing that story Uh, just before we let you go could you please share how uh, some of our listeners can become a part of this as well and how uh, can you share like some uh, t- um, social media handles or your website?
4: We
6: are on. Uh, well, we've got a website which is mm. Um Also, if you go onto the website, the, there you will be able to see exactly what it is that we're doing and how you can get involved. Yeah. Either be with the community teams or with the prison teams or mm. with the South Asian project that I'm lead off. Yeah. Um, and uh, also for World Hepatitis Day, we've got different projects ongoing. Uh, we've got um, we've got uh, purple flowers, purple mm. flowers in tune for World Hepatitis Day because that's our colour. Mm. Uh, then we have. Um, I'm just trying to think. (laughs) Obviously, for I hepatitis day, we've we've got stalls. We've got the peer-to-peer walk. So literally our peers will be walking from peer-to-peer or canal side, uh, raising awareness, testing events all over the country are happening. There'll be buildings lit up in purple as well. Hmm. And then we're also doing a skydive as well, for which we need sponsors. So if you go on the site, you can sponsor us. Hmm. I'm doing a skydive this Sunday. and I'm getting a little getting close and I'm getting a little bit nervous Hmm. Um, I myself tomorrow will be at, um, because I'm from Huddersfield, Hmm. we've got one of the leading supermarkets, test Tesco's, that I've agreed to have our stand outside
0: Okay, that's great
6: Um, So we will be testing people, I mean over the last weekend we were in Hmm. Manchester testing people Hmm. at the Mailer and we've tested hundreds of people
4: Hmm.
6: literally saved hundreds of lives uh, through our campaigning
4: yeah.
0: To
6: our activities
0: and events. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Uh thank you so much you know for joining us this morning and uh, would love to have you again on some time. For now assalamu alaikum wa Waalaikumsalam. So that was uh, you know Miss Shabana Begum from the um, the Hepatitis C Trust charity. You know she she shared a lot of uh, you know great very interesting, n- very interesting great knowledge and uh, you know, hearing her backstory was uh, great as well. And she, you know, she's doing great work out there as well, raising awareness uh, for for this disease. Yeah. And, you know, she's, she's completely correct that there is a, a stigma yeah, the, in, 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 the, the, the there is a, that stigma in our, you know, South. Uh, there is, yeah. Our, uh, some <laughs> yeah, we're our we're South, Asian South Asian uh, Asia uh, culture uh. that, uh, you know, these sort of things you just don't talk about. Yeah. It's a shame they're, they're it's frowned a shame, upon. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they they're frowned upon it. Yeah, and it's but a shame the thing is,
0: y- people lose their lives.
1: That's the thing. I, right? I, it's, it's quite right what she said as yeah. well. It's 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 lack of education, definitely, it's definitely, the, because they don't know mm, about it. They, mm. they don't even know what it is. Yeah, they, they just think, oh, it's because of something mm. they did something bad, or yeah, they yeah. did something that they're not they weren't supposed so they're to. So they just won't talk they about it. They just won't talk and about it. They're just like, just, live just let with it happen. Right? Just let, yeah, just it's like, it's like,
0: it's like. Men- mental
1: health as well. Yeah, it's right? yeah, it's like mental health as well. Yeah. I mean, they just say, "Oh no, you know what?" It's hmm. just it's, it's, it's just, 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 it's just in chain. your head. Yeah, it's just in your head. <laughs> But it, I mean it's, it's something that you know it's quite yeah, serious it's I quite mean, serious. people it's, it's depression take, take and stuff a, t- it it takes well, people's right? lives isn't it
0: depression as well people depression commit suicide well. right yeah
1: that's the thing that's the thing and
0: suicide well. rates are quite high in these uh, you know
1: these uh, countries as well yeah and the thing is is that people people just yeah they just, yeah. They just don't talk about mm. it they just live with it mm. but yeah definitely um, hopefully you know mm-hmm. I mean as it is a pressing topic as well Yeah, um, maybe sometime maybe in the we future can discuss we'll it come another back, time as back it as well
0: But for now, uh, dear listeners, we'll be taking a very short break before we move on to our second segment. So please do join us after the short break.
2: Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhis Salam. I tell you truly that on the day of judgment, next after association of anything with God, no vice shall rank as high as arrogance. This is a vice that humiliates a person in both worlds. Divine mercy rescues every believer in divine unity, except an arrogant one. Satan also claimed that he believed in the unity of God, but as he was afflicted with arrogance and looked contemptuously upon Adam, whom God loved and found fault with him, he was ruined and became accursed. Thus, the first sin whereby one was ruined forever was arrogance. Allah do one. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, you're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB. Via the internet, twenty-four hours a day.
0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show, day listeners. We were discussing previously our first segment about World Hepatitis Day. Now we'll be swiftly moving on to our second segment, where a study recently shows that men under forty should not have more than one shot glass of beer a day. Um, It's about the consumption of alcohol. So a safe daily limit for younger men is just one small 38 milliliter shot glass of beer per day, a new study suggests. Women aged 39 and under can have a little more, two tablespoons of wine or 100 milliliters of beer. The research is drastically at odds with guidance from NHS, which recommends Britons avoid regularly drinking more than 14 units per week. That's equivalent to six pints of average a strength beer or 10 small glasses of low strength wine. However, for those aged over 40, a drink or two can actually help ward off heart disease, strokes and diabetes. And, you know, I'm delighted to say that uh, we do have our first guest for the segment this morning, Dr. John Foster, who is a professional uh, in alcohol and mental health studies at the School of Health Sciences Sciences at the University of Greenwich. And he has been publishing alcohol research since 1996 and has over 70 publications in peer-reviewed academic journals. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Dr. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to begin with, uh, could you just tell us uh, some of the factors that influence young people to start drinking?
7: Well, it's a it's a question. Of, I mean, there's some evidence for this a level of genetic um vulnerability. Yeah. And but but the main uh, I I would say the, the and, and and as when people are younger, it's probably their family and the family influence that is the most important. Hmm. But as as they become as they become older, the the key issue is 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 peers and yeah. and, and and what and, and the behaviour of the peers and the need to be part of a peer group. Hmm. Um, and does, does, uh, do you want me to go on right from that? Uh,
0: yes, yes, please do continue.
7: Yeah, I mean the uh, and, and we know from research that um, there's about four different reasons why people why. Why people start drinking. Hmm. Um, one is to be sort of uh, to, to be sociable, yeah. and uh, to be and to, as part of parties. That's often becomes a that's often a, a trigger to drinking. Yeah. Um, there is also some evidence that young people, um, and it's probably even more so now, are drink to help th- to forget about their problems, whatever they are. And we know there is now it's quite a strong link between uh, mental illness. And drinking and young and and the incidence of of uh, anxiety and depression especially in young people yeah um there is a the sort of the issue of what is what we call enhancement which is uh, almost like what we call i suppose dutch courage if you like mm. um something to to sort of give you give you more courage to do something that maybe you wouldn't do if you if you hadn't had a couple of drinks before yeah. so and, and that's a, and that's in, so that's a sort of model that you know that adults often give to to mm. young people as well and, and so I think it's very important and then there's the the one I've, I've sort of really sort of which I think is the whole point about uh, young people's drinking yeah. and that yeah. is that it's it's about conformity and pressure and mm. and and following what the peer group is telling, is telling us to
0: do yeah and how, how can we then you know make the young people more informed about the risk of alcohol consumption and the, you know the damage it causes to the developing brain
7: Well I'll talk about the brain in a minute um the, the There is evidence um, that that, uh, that there is that if you give people information hmm. they will act on it. Yeah. Um and that's probably the best way and there are and, and often the way maybe the way to do it was put would be would it's through informations in GP surgeries for example mm. um uh, uh, on apps or something like that essentially it has to be neutral though that's that's the issue.
4: Yeah. Um,
7: I mean there is there's there is there is, su- there is some evidence for uh local education in schools and colleges and the likes but generally it's the, the evidence is not great because the the, the gen, uh, I suppose and it sort of fits in with what we know about motivation generally is if you tell people what to do hmm. they often don't do it or they might do it for a short period of time and it won't be sustained and and the problem if of often in uh, has been in, within alcohol education in schools and the likes and drug education because they're usually linked together is that they're being delivered by someone in authority uh, and and that often is counterproductive to to. To, to what we know would actually work. So the best way of, if we're gonna deliver um, alcohol education hmm. is, is to do it within the context of other wide sort of uh, health and lifestyle issues. So it's not, so you're not just focusing on it. It's just one of a number of things you might talk about. You yeah. might talk about just general behavior um, and, and, and health and well being. So, just focusing on alcohol probably doesn't work very particularly well. Mm. The, do you want me to say a bit about the brain then? Y- yes, please. Yeah, the point about the brain and the adolescent brain mm. is it is it doesn't we, our brain doesn't actually stop developing until we're about in our early, mid twenties, early early to mid twenties. That's mm. often we, we don't know that, whereas most of our other other body organs probably do,
4: mm.
7: and it's and if you're drinking regularly it probably it, 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 the alcohol you, you you develop a degree of tolerance to it and, and that in itself is probably how most people operate if they if they're regular drinkers the problem that you that you do have with alcohol when with younger people is when they drink heavy uh, what we call episodic amounts ie a lot of drinking at one time hmm. that that's when you can actually do much more damage to the brain but because you're actually exposing um alcohol which is a toxic toxic um substance yeah um to the brain uh and there and you know there are sadly there are people who die of what we call alcohol toxicity every year Mm. um and, and then some of them are young people and that's basically because they've drunk so much that their brain has shut down yeah, um, um, and that is the, you, you don't see much. But I was—I think we've got 500, 500 deaths a year for for that on the whole. And I did, i looked the recent figures up, and so, and there are other issues. The other—the other issue about which with adolescent drinking, especially, adolescents tend to be more impulsive than 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 it's all part of then oh, than 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 uh, adults. Hmm. Um, there are exceptions to that rule, obviously. Yeah, um, and it's all part of adolescent behaviour and testing things out. But with it, but also with the alcohol, it becomes the links of um, the risks of drunk driving,
4: mm.
7: possible violence. You uh, you're also likely to be more likely in a situation like that, especially if you're a woman, to be a victim of a sexual assault. So, so all of these all of these issues um, are um, part of the the you, when you look at the brain or whatever. It's 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 also about the brain, and it, but it's also about putting yourself in situations which are
4: risky.
0: Hmm. Uh, so you spoke about the you know different uh, tolerance levels of uh, people. Is there a significant difference between uh, you know the drinking trends of men and women and why do they have different to- uh, tolerance levels?
7: Um the the, the, drift, the there is a difference between between men's and women's drinking. Um the uh me, the main difference uh and it's because of, of the physical physical makeup of men and women they are different um men tend to be bigger um but the big the, but the reason particularly mm. why um women are, if you like I won't say damaged but but it, well, alcohol stays in the body longer yeah. because they have more fat um generally than men but proportionately so, yeah. so 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 it means that the alcohol stays in the body longer uh, and, it, and 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 it's it's more difficult for it to actually break down
0: mm. yeah uh, so th- thank you so much for joining us this morning, Professor, and you know shedding some great uh, light upon this topic. It's been an absolute pleasure and would love to have you again on sometime. Uh Please do have a good morning and have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.
7: Thank you
0: very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. So that was uh, Dr. John Foster. You know, shedding some really um, interesting and important um, light upon alcohol consumption and what it does to the adolescent brain as well.
1: You know, it's it's interesting as well what the what the what the pandemic has uh, has actually done as well, mm. and uh, the trends uh, when it comes to when it comes to alcohol consumption. Um, um, you know, uh, c- there is clearly a shift towards uh, home drinking as promise premises uh, you know premises closed. Uh, in uh, close from March 2020, you know, when the lockdown actually happened. So a lot of people were actually, you know, a lot of people were actually drinking home as well. Public Health England uh, comparison to data 2019-2020 is that 20% rise in alcohol-specific deaths and also poisonings, 15% rise in alcohol poisonings. Mm. And uh, most deaths were from alcoholic uh, liver diseases. That's, That's 83%. And it was a rise of twenty percent as well. And the subgroups, who drank more, were 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 heavy, you know, dependent drinkers, hmm. those with poor mental health, and uh, those prone to anxiety and depression as well. That's something that uh, Doctor John Foster was, uh, you know, so some of his notes uh, on uh, on that as well. So that's hmm. that's quite interesting. What the what you know what the pandemic has actually done hmm. uh, in terms uh, in terms of this as well.
0: Yeah, and you know, some one point three four billion. Hmm.
1: With a B, mm, yeah,
0: people are estimated to have consumed harmful amounts of alcohol in 2020, according to the analysis of drinking habits in 204 countries around the world. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is an eighth of the world's population—one in eight people, basically.
1: Mm. More, if not more. Yeah. So that's one 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 point seven billion. You said
0: one point Wh- three four billion. One point three four billion. And the world's population is eight something billion, right? I mean it's
1: going yeah it's going up yeah Yeah. like 7 or 8 billion yeah so like that's almost 1 in 8 people I mean it's uh, it's uh, I mean I mean the the effects of Mm. pandemic as we have spoken about you know in in previous shows as well yeah it's not just about depression and anxiety as well but the way that people cope with it and Mm. one of the people one of the reasons or one of the ways the methods people use is alcohol and alcohol abuse uh, is you know is you know is linked to that uh, Mm. as well
0: I'm delighted to say we do have on our on the line with us our next guest, Dr Hannah Carver, who is a lecturer in substance use and co-director of the Salvation Army Centre for Addiction Services and Research at the University of Scotland. Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Doctor.
8: Hi, thank you. Uh,
0: thank you for joining us. Uh, just for our listeners out there, could you describe addiction and drug misuse on a wider scale and why it occurs?
8: Um, That's a good question. So I think just to kind of clarify a bit, um, just before I start to talk Mm. about drugs and alcohol um, more widely, that I think it's important to kind of think about how how we describe um, addiction and drug use rather than misuse.
0: Yeah.
8: um, In terms of kind of person-centred language, so we're not stigmatising people. So I prefer to use kind of problem alcohol use or problem drug use, rather than addiction hmm. or misuse. Um, so I think, yeah, what what we're talking about here is um, dependency on a on a substance like alcohol or drugs.
4: So yeah.
8: um, usually a kind of craving, tolerance, a preoccupation with the substance, and kind of continued use despite harmful um, consequences. So it's kind of that severe end of um, of using drugs or alcohol in a way that really negatively impacts people's lives
4: hmm.
8: um, and in terms of why why it occurs, um, there's lots of reasons why people might develop a dependence on drugs or alcohol. Um, some might argue it's a kind of hereditary um, issue yeah. but there's lots of evidence actually developing kind of dependence on a substance is closely linked to poverty and childhood trauma. So these are kind of very common reasons why people develop problems with um, drugs and alcohol. So it's more kind of the environment that people grow up in have a, can have a really negative impact on them hmm. and then we use alcohol and, or drugs as a way of coping with that.
0: Yeah and uh, you know in terms of the drug misuse, um, being an alcoholic, what harm can, can they cause?
8: So there's I guess lots of impacts on people Um, physical and mental health. Um, There's obviously overlaps between drugs and alcohol but um, can often have quite different um, impacts. Hmm. So things like drugs might impact on people's physical health, for example um, the risks in terms of injecting drugs might mean that people are at more risk of blood-borne viruses, um, infections as Hmm. well as overdose. because drugs are illegal in the UK, um, people will be criminalised, which means they're obviously at higher risk of harms. Because of being criminalised, um, people might hide their drug use, which can obviously put them at risk.
4: Of, mm. um,
8: if they're, they're using drugs alone, they're obviously at higher risk of overdose. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that kind of stigma, um, difficulties finding work, housing, welfare system, etc., because of that um, stigmatisation. Mm. And um, alcohol, again, huge impact on people's health. Um, and this is obviously at the kind of severe end of dependency rather than um, just general alcohol use. Yeah. But there's obviously kind of overlap. But things like alcohol poisoning, um, if people aren't able to drink alcohol and go into withdrawal, it can cause seizures and death. Um, things like injuries and accidents. Hmm. and then chronic diseases like liver disease, cancers um, and then those kind of similar difficulties in terms of maybe housing, employment, access to health care, etc. Um, so there's that kind of acute and chronic health problems associated with alcohol and drug dependency but also the kind of societal marginalisation that people experience has a big impact on their lives. Hmm. So not being able to access health care and the social support that they need Housing, welfare, employment, and p- impacting people's relationships because of a lot of um kind of stigma that people experience. It's more that kind of um challenges around how how it's perceived in society as well as those kind of physical um impacts on people's physical and mental health.
1: Yeah. How does alcohol affect people in general in the, in this day and age as well regarding uh, COVID-19 infection and uh, housing situations?
8: So um, I've actually, this is kind of work that I've been involved in in Scotland looking at um, that kind of severe end where people are experiencing homelessness. So they may be street homeless or are living in hostels, um, kind of insecure accommodation. Um, and um, are also dependent on alcohol. um, And the impact of COVID has been quite severe on on these individuals. Um, People are more likely to experience um, problems with alcohol if they are also homeless, um, and obviously are at increased risk of all the harms that I've talked about before, um, and also increased risk of being affected by COVID. And quite a lot of people might have other health conditions that mean that if they did catch COVID, they might be more severely impacted and become very unwell. Um, And then there was kind of risks, particularly around, um, for this group, for accessing alcohol. Um, For example, shops were closed, um, people weren't able to access money because maybe they would rely on begging and and there wasn't the same footfall within um, city centres. Um, There was restrictions, for example, we we all had to move to card payments rather than cash. And if people didn't have bank cards, then they couldn't buy alcohol. Um, And also people may be sharing alcohol um, amongst their friends, which obviously would put them at risk of um, kind of passing on COVID. Um, So there's obviously big impacts on people's health. um, And our research showed that people really struggled to get the help that they required, and they had difficulties accessing alcohol, some people moved on to using drugs, which also put them at increased risk um, of harm, Um, and services really kind of shut down and meant that people couldn't really get the help that they needed, Um, and there was also in Scotland a real focus on drug services, which meant that actually people who needed support for alcohol were kind of neglected by the wider system.
1: So I was just asking, what what are some of the best ways to, to tackle alcohol uh, or addiction and the harmful effects of alcohol?
8: Um, so I think if we think about alcohol harm as a kind of very broad spectrum where it's not just the people at the severe end who are dependent on alcohol, but also, you know, the, lots of people in our population, so in the UK, lots of people drink. And I think that, um, as I was coming on the call, I think you were talking about the kind of vast numbers of people who are impacted by alcohol. Um, so for the kind of general population there's lots of different ways and um, that are evidence based that um, are, are kind of effective in reducing alcohol consumption and then obviously related harm. Um, so things like taxation, so if alcohol is more expensive, then people are less likely to um, purchase it. Mm. Um, banning alcohol advertising. Um, restricting access to alcohol. So, if you don't have lots of places to buy alcohol, for example, in some countries, you can't just go around to a supermarket or to a shop or a garage and buy alcohol. You have to go to a specific alcohol um, outlet, which means that people are less likely to buy alcohol kind of regularly. Um, as well as education, so kind of better education in schools, informing young people about the dangers of alcohol, but also kind of not just telling them not to do something because as we know young people if they're told not to do something they generally want to do it um, and also kind of on that side of young people prevention is key so trying to delay young people from drinking so we have a drinking age in the UK of 18 but it, there's evidence that if um, young people don't start using alcohol until they're 18, 19, 20 it has better um, outcomes and people are less likely to develop problems um, and then also preventing people who have already started using um alcohol and um other and um are kind of at risk of going on to develop dependency. Um so kind of better treatment, um better support for people, um better kind of mental health um access as well as kind of harm reduction approaches that, that would help people um manage their alcohol but without expecting them to stop drinking and then better kind of treatment for people who do want to stop drinking and something that provides kind of long-term aftercare. And then that kind of wider societal thing. So I've said obviously a lot of the time problems with alcohol and drugs are caused by poverty. Um, So moving people out of poverty, providing a better welfare system um, and obviously um, can be really important in kind of delaying and preventing alcohol use and harm. And things like the current cost of living crisis in the UK I think is only going to make things worse and unfortunately people will probably more turn to alcohol and drugs as a way of coping because they're um, living in poverty so that kind of there's lots of different um, ways that we can um, help to kind of reduce alcohol use as well as um, the harm that it can cause to a wide um, range of people across the population.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Hannah Carver, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you. Um, uh, thank you so much and have a lovely day. Thanks, DJ. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, so that was uh, uh, Dr. Hannah Carver who, who is uh, a lecturer in uh, substance use and co-director of the Salvation Army's uh, Centre for Addiction Services and Research at the University of Scotland. Uh, pleasure to have her uh, on as well. Um, we we've got our next guest who is on the line with us as well, Sohan Sohota, who is the managing director and co-founder uh, of uh, BAC in CIC a Nottingham-based uh, pair-led drug and alcohol support service for individuals, families and uh, and young adults for uh, for the BAME community and individuals as well. It's an award-win- award-winning grassroots service inspired and founded in 2003 by BAME individuals in recovery. alaykum, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show. Yeah,
5: thank you. Good morning.
1: Thank you so much for, for joining us, Suhan. Um, to begin with, w- w- what was your sort of uh, intention behind uh, behind starting uh, BAC, and uh, what's its ethos?
3: Well, uh, BACIN stands for it's, it's back in. We pronounce it as back in.
4: Back in. What
3: it stands for is an acronym for Black and Asian Cultural Identification of Narcotics. Mm-hmm. So, what what inspired me to set this up was uh, was my own lived experience uh, you know, I've got a background in addiction and other kind of related sort of challenges that go with that lifestyle and um and I came to uh and uh to uh, to seek help uh from our our sort of uh, mainstream you could say drug and alcohol support services mm. and um it was it was difficult. I didn't I didn't feel I got the support that I needed. Mm. And uh, and uh, and I realised that I wasn't the only one who had that experience, you know, uh, started to recognise in the communities that there was other people having a similar similar experience, you know, with the mainstream Caucasian services. And uh, what we what, what happened was we um, we identified there was a gap in services. There was an unmet need. And, uh, and underrepresentation. representation, so backing came about we we, we we set up our own organization because we felt that the uh, mainstream services wasn't responding to the needs the cultural needs of a, of a multicultural sort of society. Mm. so we set up our own so we started off with the, with a mutual aid group where a few of us met on a weekly basis, and uh, you know we could understand each other some of our issues because we come from ethnic backgrounds we could talk about things to do with our culture easily and understand and support each other you know have that understanding that empathy mm. uh, that uh, that ability to to relate to one another we wasn't getting that to mainstream services mm-hmm. so that was that was one of the reasons and uh you know uh, there's other reasons as well but uh, we felt that people with addictions in our communities they should have a place to go to where they can talk comfortably you know with one another and be understood and talk about sensitive issues culturally sensitive issues you know like uh like racial trauma discrimination for example and uh you know family honor you know cultural stigma all of those things that you know uh, all of those sort of uh, uh things that need to be spoken about if uh, if a person wants to get well you know and um you know we should have a space to do that so that was yeah so that was
1: the one uh absolutely absolutely um and i think yeah, it, it is true that uh, these uh, uh you know the uh, beam communities um it's, it's something which uh it, You know, we often don't get that that support as well, and it's 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 good that you've you know you started this as well and helping those individuals who who have these, who are in addictions and have these. uh, I mean, they need someone to actually speak to and talk to, and discuss these problems with as well. And one of your recent research projects was called Project uh, Horizon. Um, What what does the word Horizon mean, and what were some of the key findings of this uh, of this research? Yeah,
3: well, Project Horizon was a was a a collaboration with uh, it was a research collaboration with the Lankelli Chase Foundation um, and uh, (coughs) Sheffield (coughs) Sheffield Hallam University Hmm. (coughs) excuse me basically it was to look into um, the uh, the issues that we identified within our communities uh, through our work our direct engagement you know with the ethnic minority communities and uh, we want to do put a case forward you know for commissioners yes. for policy for local strategies. say, look you know these are the issues and they need to be addressed it just felt like you know when we were speaking you know through our through our own personal experience and consultation and research mm. it's like our voices wasn't heard mm. in a way which is disappointing because you know you know we're speaking about an issue that's very sensitive and we're speaking about gaps in services you know you, you know you, you just think that commissioners and policymakers they want it they want to hear because they want to fix things so uh project horizon research was um, was, um, was was a research study uh within nottingham at, 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 at bain, uh bain addiction recovery and um it was to, uh, what, it, what it identified was uh, <clears throat> that people from ethnic minority communities, they need services that, that are run by people from those communities, because they can understand their culture. And the other thing he identified was uh, people with lived experience, people who have been through it, who have come on the other side, and they've educated themselves, and, uh, and they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to give back to their communities. They were in a better position you know, to go back and engage with the communities It's what's called peer led organizations or lived experience, uh, uh, recovery organizations, which we are one, probably probably one of a kind, you know, being in the country, you know, there may be one or two others. So <clears throat> project horizon was, um, was a word that we made up, you know, Horizon, arising. And um, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's, it's a combination of sort of terms. The word, you know, the letter A H R is uh is more like a mantra. It's like um it's like a Sans Sanskrit mantra. So it's got that Asian South South Indian sort of connotation to it. And the word R Z R Y R Z is like rise. It's just rise, you know, rising. And then the word Zen, you know, Zen is to sort of look at things, to focus, to meditate, to reflect. So it came at a time right when um we were going through a very difficult time with the uh, you know with commissioning with funding we we had a lot of funding course, at that period and, uh, and 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 this opportunity to work with Lankelli Chase Foundation and uh, Sheffield Hallam University came at a very very critical time we were we were at a very low ebb in our journey as an organization uh, very very low ebb we lost a lot of funding lost a lot of staff so the word horizon, arising, you know, you, you, you know, is apt, it was appropriate, you know, when it came about. So we wanted to be kind of, we wanted to kind of make our own word, our own term, you know, in, you know be original, you know, create our own terminology in, in, in this. So that's how the word horizon came together, mm-hmm. to, 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 uh, to speak to, you know, arising, new horizons, new beginnings.
1: Uh, very interesting very interesting um, to that as well so Mm. these were uh, you know our guests uh, all of our guests sharing their experiences and the way that they are raising you know more awareness uh, in terms of this as well because it is it is uh, an abuse isn't it substance abuse whether it's uh, alcohol drugs I mean it's sort of the same thing Mm. isn't it it intoxications and all these intoxications are actually uh, you know they 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 they're not just discouraged mm. in Islam they, they, They're forbidden mm. uh, In fact Allah the Almighty mentions In the in the Holy Quran In chapter 5 verses 91-92 O ye who believe Wine and the game of chance Are only an abomination of Satan's handiwork mm. So shun each one of them That you may prosper Satan seeks only to create Enmity and hatred among you By means of wine and game of chance And to keep you back From the remembrance of of prayer uh, remembrance of Allah and from prayer and so in you know in other words in other sort of uh, verses Allah the Almighty mentions that Khamar is uh, you know is an intoxication uh, that's an Arabic word which means mm. intoxication that should be um, shunned as well I mean that should be abstained from uh, also so there are in is it's, uh, in Islam is very clear cut, hmm. and you know it's interesting as well that I- even in Christianity, hmm. it's it's forbidden as well. If someone you know, so there are some Christians who don't drink. Yeah, they 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 say that no, it's you know in the Bible it says that we are mm-hmm. not allowed to drink, and mm-hmm. it's it's forbidden for us as well. Yeah. So you know it's it's interesting as well. Hmm.
0: So dear listeners, we hope you've been enjoying today's show. Uh, you know it's. Um, always a pleasure to you know present these shows because we get to impart on some great knowledge we learn some new stuff ourselves as well I uh, would just like to you know thank the producer adila hania the researchers Ramin masood navera khan marjala Ahmed, maria sheikh halima Ahmed, Merish dogar Salih Ahmed, and our tech team akib Ahmed uh, adnan um, until next time you know, we do hope that you do listen to the other shows as well. There's drive time today from four to six o'clock. My brother Shahjil will also be presenting. Until next time, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.